Hey, what's up everybody? How you living? No putts given. We're back. We're on site, on location here at TPI Oceanside. It's a beautiful day. We're going to talk some irons, T-series stuff, but before we do that, let's do some introductions. Who are, who are you? I don't know today. <laughs> they know who I am. Uh, Tony Covey, but we have two special guests. Uh, people that know far more about this topic than we do, so we're going to talk to the experts. We have Marty. Marty, what do you do? I am the director of product development for the irons category at Titleist Golf. So just basically responsible for these products right here, you know, start to finish, essentially. Small job, just easy. <laughs> good, good work if you can find it. Um, we'll have a lot of questions for Marty. And we have JJ. JJ, what do you do here at Titleist? Uh, I'm the director of clubs on the PGA Tour. I'm the one who asked Marty for the impossible and makes him deliver each time. <laughs> Well, we're going to get to that for sure. But let's start with just kind of big picture stuff. So T-Series, maybe go back just really quickly to start. The previous generation did really, really well, obviously on tour and at retail. So in terms of starting with a new line of clubs, what were kind of the design goals or what were those impossible things that you were asking for along that road? And Marnie goes, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, I think we always have one of the hardest meetings is right after a tour launch where Marnie is kind of done with previous and well on the road to the next whatever and okay what else do you want and it's normally that honeymoon phase where everything's great so we have to draw out of our players and our tour reps those little changes and so like when you look at a T100 it is hey make it look like a blade feel like a blade but play like a game improvement club. And those are those things that we're asking for. Yeah. And so the big one in this lineup was feel, feel, feel across the lineup with some small performance variables we were looking for. So emphasis on feel. And when, when you talk about that a little bit, because I know you have yeah, big design emphasis, but what does that mean? Like when, when tour players or people out there are saying, hey, I want a club that feels better, how do you translate that to Marty? What, what does better mean? And then how do you figure out what better means? Like how, sure, sure. how do you go about that? Yeah, I think um, we've asked tour players for it and it's the, the coolest part when you talk about feel with a tour player is the pause. Describe feel. There's never like a quick answer on the tip of their tongue. There's always the, okay, I don't know how to describe that, but we've all hit a blade and you hit it right on the center and there's that feedback up the shaft through your hands the the sound feedback that we all have felt and it's what probably got us hooked on golf in the first time we remember as a kid hitting that shot and coming out of the center and reacting how we want and so it's giving it to marty and how do you quantify that yeah and so he talked about you know a couple aspects so there's the the tactile you know add impact which comes through the shaft into your hands into the rest of your body um, and then the audible, like the acoustic, right? right. So those two things, like um, in particular, the acoustic especially, we can measure, right? So we can take sound recordings out here at TPI, and then we can compare that to our predictions and our models, right? So we have uh, 3D CAD models of each of our products. We can then take that into a simulation and kind of simulate how that club is going to respond audibly um, in a computer. How much? How much prototyping you do in terms of like putting product into JJ's players' hands where it's almost like the eye test, right? Here's two, like better like this, better like that. Now this one or that one, is it, how much is, 
how much is purely that tour player feedback like this is what feels good versus what you're doing in the lab and say well this this sound signature looks good yeah tour we, is always the validation right so we have all our models and theories and everything else but proof is in the pudding when we give it to jj and he takes it out on tour gives it to players to hit and if the response isn't like this is better from them then okay back to the drawing board but again so and we get pretty lucky on irons because he can hide technologies in old chassis that when you were all at a tour event, you're not gonna see a picture and know a difference. Right. So like in the T100, for example, he handed me two irons one day and said, go test this. Didn't tell me what's under the hood, didn't tell me what's current and what's got new technology in it. And we put a piece of tape on the back and we took it to a tour event and we would just have players hit A versus B. Tell me which feels better. And we would just make little cross markings on it and when we got to the end of the week, we just sent Marnie a picture. Here's this one, here's this one, and one's filled with dashes across the back. He goes, great, that was a technology I was gonna put in the next T100 to make it feel better. And it won hands down, and so it was like, okay, we're off to the races on one thing to make that feel better. So with that, like, what was it? Like, what were you, in that, in that situation, what were you, what were you testing or what were you evaluating if it was so like, clear to tour Yeah, players? in the case of the T100, it's, it's all structural differences, right? The thickness in the upper cavity, the thickness in the lower cavity, that bar separating the two cavities. Yeah, right there. What's, how that's engineered, the, the thickness of that as it goes across the face is, is different from, from the predecessor as well. So okay. we're, are we talking literally like fractions of millimeters of difference in some cases? In the thicknesses for the face, yeah. Um, but for the bar, there's, there's pretty significant differences in the amount of support of the face, especially in the center versus the previous generation. So just kind of go back and recap you from previous gen to this generation, big emphasis on feel. Um, do you feel like you achieved that? You feel like that's been like that, that's been an overwhelming commentary. You know, we did, and when we look at feel, like we started a project years ago called Project Feel internally to to focus on MBs, and what we looked at and we kind of stole some from the Vokey team is soul matters, CG position mm -hmm. matters, material matters, structure matters, and the refinements of the soul, the refinements of the construction, and all of that kind of was a little bit like we've kind of learned in Metalwoods is there's not going to be one thing that's going to just turn a light switch on. You got to turn a bunch of lights on to brighten the room. And so in this case, we were talking to players and they were commentaries from like a, a Cam Young, just how that club got in and out of the ground differently. And he felt the ball just on the face and feeling better. Uh, players like Jordan Speed talking about the short irons, just the commentary of how much softer it felt. Um, so we, I think, nailed it on field, but we're also pushing Marnie for performance. Hey, who doesn't like to have a long iron launch a little higher, stay in the air a little bit better, have a little more forgiveness? Right. So those are when we're asking for the impossible is, want it to feel like a blade and perform like a <laughs> T350. And so right. we're trying to push those variables at the long end of the bag where players often need help. Right. And but that the, is where our challenge is, is really on that end of the bag, especially to like generate more launch, more, more forgiveness on off-center off hits. But without it feeling bad. Correct. Right, without Correct. it feeling worse. I'm assuming right. they use terms, yeah, like, like hollow or clicky or, you know, loud at the, right. at the wrong times, right? And right. Trying to do that. What were you with the, so the products you deal with on tour, let, let's take golf ball off the table for now, but within the club space, is T100 
the one that is is like the the ultimate don't screw it make it way better or as better as you possibly can but don't screw it up is that kind of number one on the list of, of yes clubs and, that are yes and no uh it you know it's the most played iron on professional tours worldwide but you know when we went from ap2 to the t-series it was hey we're gonna take a leap of faith we're gonna shrink this we're gonna remove offset we're gonna make some fairly significant changes and ap2 was pretty highly played and we let the influence of some tour players drive that design you know marnie came to an event and again the joke was always jordan spieth he'd pull out a blade and go god i wish i was good enough to play these <laughs> and he'd hit three or four shots and you're like well you're good enough to play it but then he'd miss one just a little bit and he'd lose six or seven yards he goes that's the shot that would cost me yeah mm -hmm. and then he'd go back to hitting t1 protos at that time and he'd hit that same shot and he'd lose two or three yards he goes that's the ball game for me and so I think that was the the driver is there's still performance variables there that we can push Marnie, you know, find new ways to put tungsten in places, do those things. So we're still trying to push. But, yeah, there are a couple handcuffs in terms of size, shape, feel that we're we're keeping on them in that T100. Yeah. And that was probably the largest jump going from AP2 to T100 because that was the decision. Right, the decision was the T100 is going to be the ultimate tour iron. So that's when really tour was even more of a focus on that particular product, especially to design it for the best players in the world. Interesting. So let's just kind of go through the lineup really quickly. I know uh, you know clubs have been out for, for a while, but some people might be seeing it for the first time. So talk about T100, obviously, like I said, it's the of the four, it's the smallest. Mm -hmm. heel to toe etc you call it kind of the ultimate tour iron why 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 would why does this one get that designation well you want to answer you want, I, uh, i'll take that one we're okay. basically trying to comply a blade a cb and a game improvement iron into one thing make it look like a blade perform and feel like a cb and then give us in the long irons especially um forgiveness and launch that everybody's looking for so it's it's trying to be in a lot of camps for a really good player you know it's fitting in a really nice spin variable it's getting you know we're in loft progressions that are traditional more tour lofts we're in all those spaces that a tour player is looking for from all those attributes so you got that then we go to the 150 which I'm told they did not just bend and caulk. <laughs> no bending and caulking on this one. No. Uh, but this replaces the S, right? Which we had T100S before, now we have T150. Looks pretty similar to the 100. Mm -hmm. So what are the key differences between this and the 100? So this one in particular is for someone who's just looking for a little bit more distance, right? They want a lot of the same aspects that T100 has, mm -hmm. but a little more distance, a little bit more forgiveness, a little bit more forgiving look from a dress as well. So if you look at that from a dress, you'll see that the top line is a little bit thicker, especially than it was in T100S. Because if you remember, T100S was the exact same shape and size as T100 before. Just but, bent and cocked. Right? And, Just bent and cocked. That's and we, yeah, and we got feedback from the market. <laughs> we got feedback from the market that hey, you know, it's a little bit small for, for you know, this type of player. Huh. So these subtle changes to the sole, to the top line, 
still keeping the same law progression at two degrees stronger than T100. Right. Um, it warranted that, that name change with the size change. My favorite part of the name change is Marnie has a formula from blade length and a head volume and all these other variables and compared T100 to this new model and what was it? 49.6% yeah, difference. Yeah. <laughs> so instead so, of yeah. calling the T149.6, yeah. it became yeah. the T100. Yeah. I like the 149.6. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So you got T150, we got that. Then we go to T200, which some might argue that these, this is the most substantially changed model from prior gen. Would you agree with that or? I would disagree. I'd I say it's, it's just th three, three fifty. Okay, but, sure. okay. Yeah. this was, you know, when you look at hollow construction, it is incredibly popular on tour in the two, three, four iron mm -hmm. space. You know, that player that's stemming the tide to um, their woods in their bag. So this was a big driver from us from tour of, hey, there's a lot of things our players like about the ball speed, the launch, but we have a feel issue here mm -hmm. and really pushing Marnie and his team to to improve the feel here. Yeah, I mean, but to your point, there are, every aspect of that club has changed pretty much, except for maybe the the, the leading number. edge, you know, <laughs> yeah, and the number, <laughs> right? But we, we did change the sole, so the trailing edge changed, we changed, you know, how we attached the, the muscle plate to the back, we changed the chassis, we changed the location of the, the polymer core inside, the thickness of the polymer core is different, the face thicknesses are different than the, the thickness profile across the face is different. So it's definitely so changed a lot. lot. Different. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But still, 350 is even more. <laughs> so before we get to 350, I want to ask you about this, because this is, this is one of the things that we do get comments on from time to time. So this, this badge piece, this back piece, it is plastic, correct? Correct. So why are you using plastic, right? Convince, convince people that it's not just because Titleist is trying to be cheap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like there's right. a reason, yes. right? Yes, it's lighter weight, right? So anytime you can save weight, and use that weight where you want it to help you with CG and MOI. It's just better, it's better combination. That's always the thing for me is everybody's excited about multi-material in a driver. We went multi-material in an iron here. And that's the, the big performance variable when we look versus full steel constructions is he's getting MOI and CG in spots that other club heads aren't which is why we're seeing so much tour play in that space. Mm -hmm. Right, and if you think about it, you look at, you know, Metal Woods have been doing it for a while in terms of using carbon fiber, right? It's a lightweight material. That's, that's primarily the main reason you use carbon fiber is to, to be able to save the weight and then use it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What did you do, like you said, one of the biggest challenges was that, you know, like you said two, three, four iron guys on tour generate a lot of ball speed. A lot of times the acoustics are amplified, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when you have guys that are hitting it. Mm -hmm. that hard and so if something does sound too clicky or hollow or whatever they're really going to notice it so what did you do specifically on t200 to address those concerns from yeah really so the face players? the face had a big face design had a big um, part to do with that so there are areas of the face that were thickened and there are also areas of the face that were were made thinner right and how we did that really affected the acoustic along with again having the polymer core is very important to um, the sound of, of the club, the, the thickness of that polymer core changed as well, which also helps the feel. And then also kind of the location of where we, we place that. It's now a little bit closer towards center face as well. So all these things in combination, you know, help change this the feel. This was a cool player test because during the process, Marnie's team made one change to an iron 
like, okay, let's do this one change and we'd have five or six out there. And they were all like, okay, that's a little bit better. And players would say that feels a little bit better. And then he's like, well, what if we just do all of them? And so we'll just change all this stuff. The structure of the muscle back plate, how that's adhered, mm -hmm. the face geometry, the MI, all those things and go, what if we just, if all of them tuned it a little bit, can we turn the volume way down by doing it all? And so like the, the tap test on yeah. this one yeah. is completely different than um, previously down to how you pull the ball in. You know, if you don't think we put a microphone on how you rake a ball and you're crazy because we <laughs> we're checking everything, how it sounds rattling in your bag, you name it. Yeah, so JJ touched on a couple other things in terms of this muscle plate, how it's attached is different. And also how this muscle plate is designed also the stiffness. So the ribbing behind it is different as well, which also changes the acoustic as well. Huh. And then there's a long iron version of that, right? There's different builds. There's a utility version. So there's yes. a utility. So th that comes in two, three, four iron, right? And we found that these configurations were being fit more for players who are using T100 CB and MB. So okay. you'll also notice that we have a, a four iron loft there at 23 versus the one in the set is, is a different loft, right. right? So, but that that's the reason why. And then the real most changed iron, <laughs> the one that no, actually no. answers the question of what's most changed. The one I hate to love. The one, love this to is hate. Tony has a love-hate <laughs> relationship with the 350s. Um, it's so big. <laughs> 350. Yes. This is the biggest, baddest. I feel like it's because it's 350% larger. Is that what it is? <laughs> was, my, what, was this part of your uh, your math as well? All the things that changed? A little bit. Compared yeah. to our baseline of 100 yeah. was equal. I'm not going to say it's exactly the same as what we did with 150, <laughs> but it definitely moved in that direction. So talk me through this one. Who is it for? What are the biggest changes? Because like I said, it is the most changed. Yeah. So the way I like to talk about the whole line with that one being at the top, is Here, that, I should give this to you. No. As you go from 100 to 350, right, it's, there's a priority on distance. So if you want to play a 350, you're probably wanting to hit it farther mm -hmm. and as far as you can with an iron, right? So um, this, this is someone who prioritizes distance, obviously also forgiveness as well from the look that we, we give them. Mm -hmm. um, but looking at this product versus the T300, the most significant change is that now it's using our multi-material hollow construction versus a, a deep cavity back construction that we had in uh, the T300, which a deep cavity back is, is much more difficult to engineer great feel into versus this type of construction. The hollow, having, having this muscle plate on the back really helps you mitigate um, feel as well. And this one, just so you know, is played on tour. Um, mm -hmm. we not a lot of pitching wedges. Though, <laughs> not a lot of pitching wedges, but <laughs> 43 it was one of those. Yeah, but during a commercial shoot, we had one built up just to have, and Zalatoris and Homa decided, let's see how fast we can hit it and how high we can hit it. Yeah, that was fun. And we were, you know, getting in a four iron, you know, up in like 150, 160 feet for them. And so we have um, a couple players that move this in and out to replace a hybrid in a long iron because it launches so well and it's got such great ball speed. Well, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that because Marnie, you, you talked about 
you know, this being for the player who wants more distance. And certainly I see that, but during my fitting here with Joey, it was, it was really about trying to get the ball higher, right. raise that peak right. height. And so right. it's, it's counterintuitive to, to think well, if you have this, speed, is, this is the yeah. strongest lofted in the lineup, significantly more loft on a seven iron than the 100 <laughs> and, or less loft, I should say. Yes. And for me, I just hit it way higher. And so like, can you explain to people like the yeah. impact of, of how you make that happen and, and why maybe they shouldn't focus so much on, on the actual yeah, right, they say, stock loft. Right, they see that and they go, oh, it's loft jacking. Well, they, to a degree, right, we, we know that this is true throughout the industry at different times. Theoretically, right, or in general, you decrease loft, you're hitting it with a more kind of blunt force, it's a cheap way to engineer distance. But that's not, that wasn't our experience with this one. And it doesn't sound like it's been right. others' experience where, like I said, of the four, it's the lowest lofted. But yet, like when we were getting fit and going through, we both hit this one the highest. Right. So the, the peak height on the 350 was too high for me. Like I was getting like 48, right. 49 degrees descent angle. So now yeah. imagine if it was weak lofted. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that right? thing's going to be coming backwards. <laughs> so, so it's going to be so extent, high. You, as he moves CG, you have to move loft with it. Like they have to work together. He drives CG down and right. you don't strengthen. It's just going to get absurdly hot. Right. Yeah. And you guys have an amount of speed too. So players with, with not as much speed as you guys are not going to hit it as high as you do, obviously. Right. But the more speed you have, the more you realize the benefits of a construction like this. So the, the loft is going to give you speed, but you know, that face is also going to give you more speed. It's also going to give you more launch. The, the construction of the body with the wide sole and the CG placement is also going to help you get launch. Yep. We put shafts in these irons that also help you get launch, right? So we're doing everything we can to get the ball up in the air with this product for players, especially that aren't, you know, the fastest, sure. right? So when you have speed though, And I think if you going. look at all four of the, the soles together, you can see how that thickness yeah. changes and that helps to drive that center of gravity down. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's that extensive testing of making sure the loft versus CG are in the right spot. Because like when we talk about dispersion and distance and descent angle as a fitting variable, the, the distance one isn't how far you hit it, it's hitting it a consistent distance. So now we have different forgivenesses based on your centeredness of hit. But that descent angle is we want the ball to stop. And, you know, from a tour standpoint, we focus on that a ton. You know, a player's playing the Honda Classic where the greens are the firmness of this table. A player wants their four and five iron to stop. You know, there's no room to, to chase it up on there where when I'm saying, hey, how far do you hit your five iron? You're talking about total distance. Right. Your carry in total should be the same number. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, just interesting that that's where we are. And, and, and the one that's gone, the 400's gone, Tony. Where did it go? Marnie, where'd it go? Marnie, where'd well, the 400 go? We still have the 400. It's just oh. not a new model. Okay. Right? So um, it, it was a product that I would say, you know, we brought a very similar um, construction from a Japanese product called the VG3 Type mm -hmm. D, right, over. Okay. And we kind of tested it in, in the global market to see how it was received. And, you know, 
it was received well, you know, by some markets, but it, it didn't quite hit the target we were looking for. Well, you know, go yeah, globally, <laughs> right? Because it really was that that club was designed to go up against very specific products in Japan, mm -hmm. but we thought it would be interesting enough to try and bring it over to a global market, see how it worked out. And, yeah, you know, I guess it's a backhanded way of asking a question. Do you feel that this lineup, you know, kind of covers all the bases, or do you feel like there's still room to kind of explore with other models potentially? Uh, I think there's still room. There's definitely still room um, to explore other models, but this covers a pretty widespread, right? It's, you're now talking like with other models, you're gonna be getting into very specific niches of, right. of golfers. You have toys, JJ, props. Well, we talked a little bit about project, are all about. Yeah. project feel. And so, you know, we started this kind of years ago where we said, how do you make the best feeling iron? And the thought process was, what if we try to make it for one player instead of every player and then find out what we can learn? And so along that, we looked at materials, we looked at center of gravity, we looked at sole design, we looked at everything. And we used Justin Thomas as our guinea pig for it and we started to make him an iron and in doing that is we took advantage of marnie's team we took advantage of our machine shot with scott knutson and milling product and so this is how his iron starts <laughs> and then it works through a series of processes shaft that up and as it works through yeah, the milling process it allows us to kind of refine and get the shape so how, how long does it take you to get right. to this point because obviously this didn't just so that gets forged okay so this is the forge piece that's the forge yep. piece okay so you bang the shape yep. and then so start forged and then away. you start and then we start it. cutting away what we don't want right which seems to be a whole lot it seems yeah. to be playing so, so out of that particular oh, blank is <laughs> we can make either a seven and eight a nine or a p out of that shape yeah Okay. And we Scott, have a second one for long irons. Scott's okay. got it down. You can see here how he, he mills in, you know, his fixture point here. There's a nice dovetail on this thing here that you can see. So that way that allows him to then get a very good reference point to then mill the rest of the iron hmm. um, very precisely. So like this was one of the early prototypes with So when you're doing this with so, so cool. this again, this you know, like I said, Justin's kind of the guinea pig there. What were you testing specifically with this set in terms of feel for him? Because, like you said, it's <laughs> just. Can we go outside and hit these? We got to hit these on camera. I don't, I don't know. Um, that we... <laughs> I think it's worth a try. So, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's not. You, you know, you want to look at multi material. We'll so, let's, let's make a one of a kind multi material iron. Um, JT hit that one and said it didn't feel very good. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, let's look at and did it feel good presumably because it was multi-material and so you're trying right. to move variables around let's make movable weight <laughs> <laughs> yep. let's see different center of gravity locations if he likes it more towards the toe right, so or this, the one, heel. this one here obviously had kind of two little pockets heel and toe and then presumably maybe just put it right back or in something the yep in the middle I mean, there's um, no top line on this at but all. he did not like that one that, yeah. that one didn't feel nope. good mm -hmm. uh, okay. we looked at uh, sole shape. So this one's got a little wider sole to it. We kind of even went into our old bag of tricks and we pulled out retro models. Mm -hmm. oh. And this is all 
to reiterate, this is all just trying to tune feel, right? This isn't yep. even the, the he performance was, piece of the equation. He had had a major with his, his 620 MBs. It was how can we make this better for one player? And through that process, you know, we found things about soul geometry. It was partially how we ended up in the variable bounce soul. We found a little bit about where Marnie is placing CG. And so we were able to take those one-offs and push Marnie's team line. into putting those into um, inline products that are better for you and I. I don't think that one has a top line. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need it for? Well, that's, again, the, the cool part about it is that's Justin Thomas plays a T100 foreign. Mm -hmm. And so he realizes that all this cool stuff at some point didn't give him enough performance at the very top end of his bag. So he does it through a five iron and said, hey, I need more help beyond that. Showed him a T1 and goes, yep, this feels like my other irons, but mm -hmm. gives me launch and forgiveness where I need it. So that's a good segue because we, we talked when you know, we were with Marnie when pre-launch talked about the idea of mixing and matching and building a combo set so that you're maintaining that five mile an hour ball speed be between irons and, and making sure that you're hitting those descent angles. What percentage of the guys you work with on tour are using some type of blended set versus, yeah, I'm, you know, T100 from four iron through, through nine iron. We're just over 80% are mixing sets. And it could be, you know, again, the Justin Thomas who is five through nine MB and then a, a T1 four iron. Um, you have um, other players that are putting multiple irons in where they could have a T1 or T2 long iron and then move to CB, then move to MB. You know, we have a few with three different model types. So what we're trying to do is not, you know, if you looked at some companies 10, 15 years ago, you'd see a player with different shafts throughout their set. And what we find is that that's really hard. I always do the, the par three or the reachable par five example. If you're bringing two clubs up to the tee on that really long par three, you don't want them to feel different. And that feel is shaft flex or shaft weight and club head. So what we're trying to do is create those ball speed gaps and create the launch conditions we want through head design. So if you play a dynamic gold in your five iron, I don't want to, you know, throw something super light and soft in your forearm if I can have the head give me the help. So for the average golfer though, right, who <laughs> can't come here and work with your fitting team and, and literally have uh, every club in the bag to work through, how, how does the average golfer who's gonna go into a big box store and, and get fit that way, figure out where he needs to split the set if he's gonna maintain those, those constant speeds and launch conditions you talked about? Well, I think, um, you know, our product specialists around the country is we've kind of gone through this with our sales and marketing team and said, hey, we need to reinvest in long iron fitting packs. You know, the fit off the seven iron and calling it a day, you know, your, your subscribers and readers are, are showing that you guys have really done a great job of showing that every club in your bag matters. And so finding places that are carrying more than just a seven iron is important um, so that you can see those performance variables. Uh, we have other tools that allow you with looking at your launch conditions off a of seven and your ball speed to kind of have a sense on where where those breaks go. Uh, but finding fitters that have a little bit more tools really kind of help drive you into positions uh, that you're going to have a bag that you're going to be successful and really happy with. 
Yeah, and how much of it, like, again, kind of this fitting environment philosophy we talked with, could you kind of roll this out at the same time as, as Project Feel and the new, uh, the new irons is kind of the, you know, dip, dive, duck, dodge, and <laughs> dip, and dive, and all these, but we talked about the Ds, right, the 3Ds that we have our distance, which you talked about as... Distance control. Distance consistency, right, yeah. and control, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. just maximum distance, but... Right. Talk about those three elements and, and like how important are those on tour? You know, we, we can talk about how important they are in a retail environment because we've been through that and I think that part's pretty clear, but are you using kind of those same the, philosophies and things like, you know, when you're fitting a Justin it, Thomas or a Jordan Spieth who apparently can't hit muscle backs, that, you know, the same kind of thing? The, the beauty here at Titleist is that we, we've kind of utilized the pyramid of influence for a long time and said, hey, you know, I always steal the line from Bob Vokey of, I have the greatest testers in the world because I can just take it out to tour and get feedback right away. Um, that, that's a pretty good testing group if something feels good, flies good. So that's kind of where the three Ds were derived from is what we, you know, how often, Tony, do you get asked, what's the perfect spin on a driver? Yeah. Constantly, you're like, well, I need all these other variables. <laughs> Give me about five more pieces of information. Yeah. I'll get, I'll some, tell you. you need some spin. So you need some spin. That's a better answer. You need some, not too much. Right. Um, and so we would get that from tour players. And so what we found, you know, utilizing launch monitors is that peak height really kind of became a thing. It's an easy fitting variable for me is I like to kind of just show players their window and work them up or down from you know, it was a player that grew up in Texas, they're now playing on the PGA Tour, we're gonna have to try to creep your window up. And I, that kind of turned in and was a different way to talk about descent angle. Right. And when we always talked about whether it's golf ball fitting or anything else is that standard deviation of what's your highest spin, what's your lowest spin. So now that became a kind of distance control variable that we could uh, move down. And I think we all, kind of no dispersion, but you know, again, how do you quantify the left and rightness of something? Um, and as shot link on tours become a bigger thing is we can really, really start quantifying a lot of those things for players and looks at parts of their bag. You know, Max Homo was a fun example of that. He was one of my last full blade players and, you know, put the seven wood in from taking a three iron out, said, I'm gonna use it one week at Torrey and then it never left the bag and then comes out here and we were able to look at stats that Max had become elite ball striker everywhere to 200 yards and outside 200, he was 140th plus in proximity. And his caddy and coach are laughing. We ended up pulling at that <laughs> point 100. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they had been telling him, but a stat drove that home and we pull a week in a 100S and he just starts hitting these beautiful, gorgeous long irons and they're just chuckling behind, like we've been begging him to do something for a while and he starts hitting shots off down slopes. And three weeks later, his caddy's like, hey, make him a five iron. <laughs> and so it's slowly like moving down Max's bag. So then we go, you know, to Martin's team is how do we quantify that for everybody? Has that, has that changed with times we, we hear about tour players being notorious, stuck in their ways, not wanting to change anything because, you know, they won a tournament with this setup six years ago and that kind of thing. In, in the age of data now where you have all these stats at your disposal, has it become easier to, to kind of convince a guy like, come on, man, like, look, it's right here. Make the change. Mm -hmm. I think so. And we're big on team environments. So if I'm going to sit down with 
you know, if you're the player and you're the swing coach and you're the mental coach or caddy and, and I'm the fitter, it's the three of us at some point can put the paper in front of you and said, let's make a decision on what we want to do. Sounds like an intervention. <laughs> 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 like an intervention uh, but we do more fitting start in this room than on the tee 15 years ago where, okay, let's just walk through your bag and see what, you know, is it's a little bit like getting your chart. Hey, we did blood work before you got into your appointment. Here's where things are going to hurt. Let's go, <laughs> let's go work the rehab. Right. Well, and I think it's funny you mentioned dispersion too. I think part of that, the first part of it makes total sense. People see accuracy, right, in terms of left, right, like nothing better, right, than hitting that iron shot. You look up and it is going right where you think it is, right? And then it carries 15 yards too far hmm. or it comes up eight yards short. So I think the other part of that dispersion that I took from mine was like that front back number so that right. you're not hitting, you're not catching one pure and going and all of a sudden it drops 800 RPM and just takes off like a flyer, right? Or the other piece being you catch it a little bit thin maybe and now it comes up way, way, way short, you know, that that's part of it as well. So it's not just left, right, it's front to back as well. Yeah, I think that's the hard right. part for Myrony is he's got to keep the ball speed and spin consistency around the face for every player and then make all those shots still feel good. Right. And in particular for, for 200, I mean, there was, there was a goal there for that player in particular, because we were getting some feedback that this player was seeing some shots fly a little bit longer than they'd, they'd like. Mm -hmm. And so this iron has been improved in that aspect, right? That, that that shot that's a little bit high on the face is gonna be closer to that center turf shot that you're, you're used to, your, your stock distance. Yeah. What about, so we talked, yeah, we have these four you mentioned, having players like Max that was kind of one of the last muscle back holdouts maybe a little bit, but you've also had some players go to muscle backs as this project has kind of kind of taken off, whether it's a Cam Young or, or, or others, what are they finding in that type of process that they're not going to be able to get in kind of this retail environment that the rest of us kind of live in? Yeah, you know, what we see a lot with tour players is I had a tour player tell me years ago, um, they were between an MB and a T100, that they hit more greens with a T1, I made more birdies with an MB. And a little of their thought was, I'd rather miss a cut, but when I'm on, shoot 65, than shoot 70 a lot. Uh -huh. um, you know, PGA Tour tucks a lot of pins, puts it a lot of shelves. So on their scoring irons, is they're often looking for shape. So they're looking for less forgiveness is they don't want stability in the blade. They want that thing to move because I'm going to try to get it to the back right and I'm going to flight a cut and try to get it to skip up on that shelf. And when I'm on, I want to hit a lot of shots close and make a lot of birdies. And then when you look at like a Cam Young, when he gets to a four iron, he's not hitting that shot. Right. You know, he wants it to launch high, be forgiving, work off a variety of slopes. So that's why he's four and five. He's, he's a T2 three iron because that's, typically a tee shot club for him. Mm -hmm. Four, five, T 100, where I want some forgiveness, and then six through nine iron in his MB. Yeah. And so in that six and nine where I'm, uh, or for him, seven, eight, nine, where I'm really looking for sh shape. And so where Marnie was able to kind of make him a special six iron that floats that sole width a little bit closer to his T one, because that's the one club he's like, I don't know if I want to play a blade and I don't know if I want to play a T one. So can I get kind of a tweener? And that's where we're 
kind of finding these little nudged areas for specific players, um, but he's still looking for help at the top end of the bat. Yeah, yeah and, and I would say, I'd add to that, that it's very specific things that, like in particular with Cam Smith and the six irons. Like, Cam Young. Or Cam Young, sorry. Cam Young, can you just make this six iron fly a little bit higher? Is that possible? I love the way this looks. I love the way it goes through the ground, everything about it. But if it could just go a little bit higher, that'd be great. And so that's a very specific thing that we were able to and we're do talking for him. Three right. to five feet. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Is that do you think kind of the, the future of, of fitting at the tour level is almost like, hey, we we've got these guys and and we can make them these one-offs, these very slightly tuned one-offs, exactly where they need it. You know. I think everybody at this table probably swings harder at their lob wedge than any tour player. Um, so the distance gap between the driver where they swing it really hard and their lob wedge that they're swinging really soft is our ball speeds on a lob wedge versus a tour player aren't very different, but our ball speeds versus a driver are very different. Mm -hmm. So there's still always going to be room at that top end of the bag where they're trying to make a club do a lot of things. So that hollow construction gives us a lot you know what we're seeing is a little bit you know part of the reason we we tried some of this uh, the tour side is i'm always jealous that aaron has so many lob wedge tools to work with is so he gets a, a bigger toy box and what we're finding are some similarities and so it kind of goes back to some of our roots and saying okay when we graph this all out where are these overlaps and can it actually help a lot of players and not just one and you know where is this kind of almost flighted set where those long irons are launching really high and have really good ball speeds and the short irons are a little bit different more control a little almost lower launching where we're controlling those peak heights yeah it kind of makes me think to talk about what's next right because you're always working on what's next right you're down the runway on whatever. Are you about to ask him what the next concept in his head is? I was <laughs> going to ask him if there were any conceptual models or, I, well, two-part question. Number one is I'm, I'm struggling to see within the lineup like where a CB goes, you know, where it's like every time you make an MB better, it turns into the T100. And so I'm struggling to see like where, where just like, like I said, a single piece forged cavity back iron fits in this situation because the T100 is so good, not because there isn't a place for it, but because of that. So that's one question. And then yes, conceptually, um, cause it, it is a question we get, right? Like we had the concept irons, we've seen them. We haven't seen anything new in that line. Is there anything coming that people should be excited about or, or yeah. what is the state of yeah, the best, the best answer I can give you is that potentially there is something coming, <laughs> right? Because there are things that we're always working on which could potentially make it into a concept product. It's just whether or not they pan out into the performance difference that we were hoping for or, or just, just to make a compelling enough case to be a product of that nature. Because we, we want to bring a concept product out because there's something different about it. You know, it's not, it's not just going to be you know, similar performance to a T350. There's got to be something about it that's new, unique, different, pushing the limits in some way. And that's the reason to bring it out, right? And that, that doesn't come every year, no. right? So, no. or even every two years, right? So it's been a little while since we've had one. Um, 
because again, we're we're kind of um, we're kind of greedy in that respect that we really want these products to have a big difference. And if it doesn't, then it's not coming out. Right. How much of what's in there right now came from what was, or I guess still? Yeah, it's is it's concept. funny that you mentioned that because not many people have asked that question and. The Max Impact technology was actually slated to be a concept iron, but because of the 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 performance differences we were seeing in that technology, our boss at the time, Dan Stone, said we need to pull that forward. That needs to become global product right away. We're not we're not going to wait for it to be a concept product and then bring it into the global line. Um, the L Face technology as well is something that was being developed for for concept products as well, but. You know, we brought that out early as well. What about the CV? Does that live on? Do you think, or is that? It still has a. It still has a place. It's out there in in, in a few numbers, and and there is a sole difference there. So between the MB and the CV, that's where probably the largest difference is, is in terms of the sole. The long irons are a little bit more forgiving in launch, um, in the three and four especially. So. Um, yeah, I mean that that's where that that product fits. Um, I mean JJ, you can speak more to that than, than anybody yeah, I mean, else, I think. Marnie was in charge of its own demise by making the T1 look so good <laughs> right. and feel so good. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we uh, a funny one on that is Tom Hoagie who is ninth on tour in strokes gain approach, uh, came to our sales meeting and he was hitting four irons of all the new stuff and he was a CB four iron user. And as he was leaving the day, he's like, uh, yeah, you're going to have to send me that 4-iron in the T100. And he's since swapped out his CB4-iron because um, he just saw that little bit of benefit. And, you know, those tour players are always looking for that 1% better. And so there was a, you know, a player that was doing us a favor at a sales meeting. And that turned into, yeah, I'm going to need one of those. Um, so, you know, I think that CB has a place on tour that's still, you know, in play. But that T1 has taken... A number of that players because it sits so perfectly where it is kind of a CV product but gives you a little bit more forgiveness and in this new one with all the feel of that it, it just checks so many boxes well that's what got me thinking about it you said it's the ultimate tour iron right this idea of looking very muscle back ish you know at, at a dress but having qualities of a CB iron like it almost can't help but cannibalize it <laughs> to a degree. Like that's kind of what it's designed to do, and it seems to do it pretty well. The guys you work with, JJ, like I'm curious, right? We've got a lot to choose from. We've got a history of, of things to choose from. The guys you work with, who has what you would consider to be kind of the oddest setup right now? Oddest setup. I mean, top of my head, you know, there are a player like Cameron Young to, to have three different model, very distinct models is unique. You know, we, to, to have that T200 with a hollow construction and then a T100 four and five, and then, you know, this one of a kind MB that he, he's recently put in is a very kind of unique setup that I don't think would paired with X7 uh, <laughs> iron shafts is kind of just a unique setup um, yeah. that again, is I'm looking for kind of ball flight control and lower flight and kind of really liked the X7 and what that felt like. And then, cause he's changed a lot when he was on the Corn Ferry Tour, he was like, just give me spin, I'm, I'm fine. He would mm -hmm. go driver five wood uh, at that time. 
and wouldn't carry even a three wood. That's how I play some par threes. I, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, and then on tour, you know, moving into kind of a, a three wood, seven wood, and then sometimes hybrid. And then he's again found like, I love the stability of this really heavy, stiff iron shaft. And I'm going to just use iron heads to help me at the top end of the bag. You know, it is just kind of a unique setup in, in that sense. Um, you know, we're like a Brian Harmon who goes from CB mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. a hollow body construction and plays multiple. Um, I think that's always the cool part is each individual is fit individually and for 14 clubs, you know, where at the very least, I think it'd be so intriguing for a consumer. I mean, I'm, you guys post stuff all the time on like Arcos data, like the average player doesn't even know how far it goes, much less how high it goes right. and mm -hmm. what the stopping angle of all their clubs are, you know, and, and kind of driving that. You know, even some tour players are high level amateurs. Like what's the lowest club in your bag? It's your lob wedge. It's the <laughs> lowest flying club in your bag, which is when, you know, the Vokey team is getting you in the right grind and getting fresh grooves. I mean, how fun is that first fresh groove one where that flight is low and ripping? It just comes out. Zoom. Just yeah. like that when you get the right four iron setup and your eyes are too low and you're like, whoa, that's up a hit. So I think kind of that, uniqueness that all these tour players that all swing it so beautifully have this kind of you know uniqueness in shaft and head type and loft and lie um that is kind of just adds to that for each individual player it's so wild too you see that variation on tour right where these elite players achieve similar results in a lot of different ways right mm -hmm. but we have readers when like we you know, show them a new adjustable driver. Like, why do you need that? Why don't you just learn how to swing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, best always, players in the world are, yeah. I, I had a quick side story. When I first started in the in golf industry and clubs, I worked at a facility that had a small builder room and there had been a tour event back in the day. And I got to hear from the old club pros that there's always, well, they didn't need that in the 70s, 80s. They did it even more. They just did it themselves. They would put lead slugs in persimmon heads. They would shave down and change the bulge and roll on a head. They would back weight clubs. They would hand grind their irons. They would do crazy stuff back in the day to make it work. We now can just do it on the tee with a wrench mm, um, right. and swap a head in and out or change a loft or a lie or bend it really quick. We can just do things faster. But the evolution of of getting your equipment to fit you has been there since the beginning of golf that's yeah. wild it is. last question on fitting part so obviously it's unbelievable to come out to tpi right and and work with fitters and this place all right i mean it's average <laughs> to above average but i mean there is a part over there that doesn't yeah they could they could finish that part over we'll there. get that done by end of day for you guys. <laughs> that would be good but what advice you know we want consumers to get fit as a company we want consumers to get fit we know there are barriers to that right so if i'm a consumer i'm not going to come out to tpi maybe i'm a little nervous about getting fit maybe i want to hit a demo day or something like that what would you tell that person because the fitting part is so critical to get that performance right where does that person go how did they do something better than just walking in or ordering something off you know, some online shop or whatever. Like Titleist.com. Yeah, go to Titleist.com. Honestly, the answer is going to be go to Titleist.com and type in your zip code and, and see 
public-private fittings that are available near you is looking at that list and finding that that our teams inside do a really good job of, of curating that list of saying what's available near me, whether it's at a club I'm a member at or a public facility or a demo day type thing. You know, my opinion would be the demo day is going to just add pressure and speed and time right. where that that's going to cause more angst. Whereas if you can get into a one-on-one -on -one situation where the fitter can ask questions, I think that's probably your experiences here at TPI is when do I get to hit a golf ball? Why does he keep asking me questions? <laughs> right. Um, right. Is having that fitter get to know you and your game. And <laughs> Who let you through the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how did you get in here? Yeah, that was um, the first question. You know, where you talked about Aaron Dill even asking you about your driver swing. You're like, we're doing wedges, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you knew? <laughs> first day on the job. Right, first day. Must um, be new here. Yeah. That they can get to know your game real quickly, find your tendencies. If you're not swinging your best that day, they can still get you in product that, that's going to help you solve those issues. And you're going to, at the end of the day, what is the goal of a club fitting? It's that I'm going to have more fun in the golf course which typically means I'm writing a smaller number on the scorecard. And so having that fitter help define that for you 14 times, okay, hitting it farther, is that gonna make you happier? Mm -hmm. Is it hitting it straighter? Let's find those answers throughout your bag. Yeah, well, it works for me. That's good. Other questions, Tony? Anything no. else that we missed? Is there anything else on T-Series that you're like, man, this is the one thing people ever hear about Titleist T-Series what do you want them to walk away with? What, what didn't we get to? What's something you want to make sure everybody understands? Well, I'd want them to say, if they haven't experienced a product, go experience the product. And that'll, that'll give them everything they need to know. You know, it's like, just go find a fitter, find a place where you can demo this product, and it speaks for itself. And that'd be the big thing for me is, you know, I think for both of you even, don't go in knowing which model I want. <laughs> go in saying, I want something that performs and feels great, and then let that fitting drive you to the mix that's gonna do that for you. Yeah, that's how it played out for me. I was gonna much. say, sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes that means you end up with the 350s, Tony. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes. that's exactly what it, what it means. But it's a big iron. It is a big iron, and it's perfectly fit for you. It so. is. And it's, but it's not the biggest iron, right? There are no. definitely bigger irons out there, right? But we've chosen that as our form factor for our largest iron. I think it looks pretty good. It works, <laughs> unfortunately for well, me. Well, thank you guys for your time of course. and knowledge and sharing some of that with us. You're gonna have questions out there, people. Post them below. Let us know what we can do. Anything we can't answer, these guys will answer. If they can't answer it, it's just because they probably don't want to or they're legally bound <laughs> not to answer it or, or something like that. But uh, until next time, we out.